This last series was a good one. I mean, I know I learned a lot and I was challenged a lot. And after that, we were like, what's going to come next? What, what, what does God want to say? It's kind of hard to come after a sermon like that or a series like that. But there was something that God kept speaking to me or he kept showing me. He kept telling me. And it was about the mountains. And for those of us who are born and raised in the county of Dade, I just had to. It was just right there. We don't have mountains here except for the hill at Amelia Earhart Park. Okay? The hill that I went up and down when I was a little kid. That is it. But in my, in, my, in my parents' country, I gotta get my words right because if I go to the Dominican Republic and say that's my country, they tell me I'm not, that I'm American. You know, here I'm not American enough. But in my parents' country, the Dominican Republic, there's a lot of mountains. And I don't know if anybody here has ever climbed the mountain. Anybody here has climbed the mountain? Oh, look at that, we got some mountain climbers. Not in a vehicle, but with your feet. Oh, still, okay, okay. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. All right, climb the mountain. In my parent, where my dad is from in Dominican Republic, it's like a little town that's kind of like hidden behind and between mountains. And it's a struggle to get there. Now it's not as much of a struggle. The streets are doing a little better. We still got some dusty roads, but it's a lot better than it used to be. But back in the day, it was a struggle. It was like I'm risking my life every time I'm deciding to go over there because it's one of those. So that is as much of a reference as I have to how difficult it is. And that's in a car. I can't imagine having to climb a mountain. You know, for my family and I, um, the only time I've ever been in a real mountain was when we decided to go to Stone Mountain a couple years ago. And that mountain doesn't really count as much, but I'm going to claim it anyway. Because when I went to Stone Mountain, um, as you can see right there, my kids were like, oh my gosh, look at, look at, you can see the city, right? And, and Micah was like, is our house over there? Like, is Miramar over there? I'm like, mm, we're a little bit far from Miramar, like a couple hundred miles, but sure, it's there somewhere. It's like something different when you're on top of a mountain and you can see, right? It's like, it's a feeling, at least what everyone that climbs mountains says, there's a feeling that you get when you get to the top that you can't get anywhere else or you can't get any other way. Because even though it could be hard to climb a mountain, there's always waiting for you at the top. There's always something waiting for you at the top. There's always something that's worth it in the end for you to climb up that mountain. You know, last week, last Saturday, uh, me along with some others, we decided to do the terrain race. That is just how it sounds, a bunch of terrain. And don't let the word race fool you. You know, there was a lot of walking involved, but either way, <laughs> there was not just walking or running for some people. But it was like obstacle courses, right? There was like a mud crawl thing, and then you had to like swing with ropes and, you know, and climb a wall. Like it wasn't a tall wall, but it was a wall. And I just, you know, there were some of those times I was like, Lord, I'm doing this. But when that wall came, I was like, I took a step back, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go around this one. <laughs> because if God could do it for Jericho, he could do it for me. Amen, right? So we didn't climb it, but we wanted to, all right? It's the feeling that counts. But I, I was thinking about the people that did, that just came running and climbed, and people who find something exhilarating about climbing. And I was like, God, why are you telling me this about mountains? What are you trying to tell me through a mountain? Why is the word mountain sticking out in my head? And it made me think about how mountains have a significance. There's something that happens in the top, and even though it could be difficult or it's a lot of work to get up there, 
Mountains have always signified a sacred place, a sacred place where people felt closer to God. When we see throughout the Bible, the people that went up the mountain, they wanted to be close to God. We even see it in the primitive cultures, meaning cultures that we might not see in the Bible, but all the ancient cultures, they had high places that they lifted up to their pagan gods where they felt like they were closer to God there. So it's always been a place where people go to when they are looking for something greater, when they're looking for something higher, when they're looking for something more. Because always at the top of a mountain, there's something that's waiting for us. And mountaintops are important, but anything high is important. And if you don't believe me, look at the, the real estate rates for condos in the highest floor. People pay more money to be higher, right? People give more to be up there. Rooftop dinners are more. You know, a couple years ago, Will so sweet, bless his heart. It was my birthday, and he was like, you know, he did whatever he, his little, you know, got some, some info and some intel, and he decided to take us to Juvia. I don't know how many of you guys know what Juvia is. Juvia is like this um, uh, exclusive bougie restaurant in Miami Beach that you have to, like, get on a list. And then it's, like, super weird because you get there, there's no sign, there's a hallway. Stand in line in the hallway real quick. The elevator opens all of a sudden. You go up. Nobody knows what you're doing in that line because there's no sign, but you go up the elevator. Only whoever is, is, uh, has, res has reservations can go up the elevator. And when you get up, it's like a restaurant on a rooftop. And you just see the city, and it was beautiful. I mean, it's just not my thing. Like, when, that, when the menu came out, I was like, duck and what? And then the food was like this big. I was like, babe, we couldn't. I need a steak, you know what I'm saying? I don't want no little piece of lamb. But it was nice and expensive because there's something about being high that costs. There's something that matters or people want to be high, it feels different. So when we talk about mountains being a sacred place, a place closer to God, I, I wanna tell you that God has high regard for mountains too. To God, there is significance in being mountains because mountains are a place of revelation and transformation. For those who want revelation, for those who want transformation, we've gotta go up a mountain. And I believe that when God started to talk to me about mountains, what he wanted to say is some of us are asking God to bring revelation. Some of us are wanting transformation. Some of us want things to change. But God is saying for you to get that revelation and that transformation, you're going to have to climb the mountain. And I don't know where you are today if you're like me that just wants to, you know, can I take a ride around? Because it doesn't make me that excited to think about climbing a mountain. But there's always something that's worth it when you go up the mountain. And there's a couple of mountains in the Bible that are famous. I'm going to share them really, really quickly. The first one is Mount Ararat. How many of you guys know what mountain that is? All right. That is the mountain where Noah's Ark stopped when the rains receded. It seems insignificant. But on top of that mountain is where God gave a promise. On top of that mountain is where God showed the rainbow and he said, never again will I destroy the entire earth with a flood. That was a mountain of a promise that we see in the word. Then we see in Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah was the mountain where God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, the child that he had been waiting and praying for for years that he finally got. 
And God said, go to that mountain. I want you to sacrifice Isaac up there. The good part of the story is that by the time he got to the top of the mountain, he didn't need to sacrifice Isaac. God was like, just kidding. Yeah. Look over there. There's a ram in the thicket. And that mountain is where God not only tasted Abraham, tested Abraham, but Abraham learned that God was faithful and that he provided. See, there's always something that happens at the top of a mountain. It's a, it's a tough climb up, but when you get there, you get something that you can't get anywhere else. We see Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is where Moses saw the burning bush. He was there with his sheep, and he saw a bush that was flaming but wasn't getting consumed, so he went close to it, and God spoke through him to him through a burning bush. It was his first real encounter with God when God said, Hey, Moses, I know you. Yeah, I called you. I have been with you all this time, and I have a plan for your life. I want you to go free my people from Egypt. In that same mountain, which is also called Mount Sinai in the Bible, is where years later, Moses then goes up to Mount Sinai, has an encounter with God, and God writes the Ten Commandments. How many of you guys have heard about the Ten Commandments? In that same mountain is where God, in two different occasions, years apart, revealed himself to Moses. And the Bible says that when he went up there to the Ten Commandments, it was so strong, the presence of God, that his face was so lit. It was so shiny that when he came down, they had to put a veil over his face because people couldn't look him dead on because it would blind them. Something that happened in that mountain that couldn't have happened if Moses stayed at the bottom. Always something that happens in the mountains. Mount Carmel. Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and then decided to kill all of them. Mount of Olives, where Jesus went and had his last moment with God when he said, all right, God, I, I don't really want to have to die for these people. I mean, but not my will, your will be done. And finally in Mount Golgotha is what we count as Mount Calvary where Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. Always something significant, some significant thing with the mountain and everything that's in the Bible has a purpose. Anything that we see many times in the Bible is really important. These are just a few of the mountains that we see that something significant happened in. So God has something that he wants to tell us about mountains. And I was just like, God, but I never even climbed a real mountain. What are you trying to tell me? I, 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 we don't even have real mountains here. I don't have a personal reference for this. But God started to show me how his plan has always been to take us to the mountaintop. The problem is that sometimes we get too comfortable with being in the crowd. Sometimes we get too comfortable with staying at the bottom. And mountains not only signify something great at top, but mountains equal difficulty as well. Right? When you say, I've got a mountain, that means you've got something in your way that is making it difficult for you to get to the other side. So the mountain comes with difficulty as you climb, but there is something on the other side. And I want us to look in our Bibles in Matthew 5, verses 1 and 2. And it says, seeing the crowds, Jesus looked, he saw a bunch of people. He went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. So we see Jesus 
being followed by crowds all the time. Everywhere in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read it, there's always crowds following Jesus. He tries to get away from the crowds. He gets on a boat, crosses to the other side. On the other side, crowds follow him. He's surrounded by crowds all the time. But here we see that he saw the crowds and decided to climb the mountain. But to those who followed him, he began to teach them. The crowd is a good place. I mean, the crowd is fun. In the crowd, he was performing miracles. In the, in the crowd, great things were happening. People were coming in crowds because they were hearing and seeing, oh my God, you guys got to see this Jesus. Every time he comes, when he puts his hands on people, people are healed. That guy that couldn't walk, he's walking. That guy that couldn't see, he's seeing. So the crowds gathered because the crowd is a feel-good place. The crowd is a place where we like to feel good. It's a place when we go when we need something from God. It's the place that we go when we need God to show up, right? You see someone is telling you, hey, look what God did. So we come and we join in the crowd because it's the place where we see things and it's all good because Jesus wants to do some things. Jesus was happy to heal the people in the crowd. Jesus was happy to perform miracles. Jesus was happy when the people came. It's not that he isn't happy. The issue is, that the crowd was never meant for us to stay there. The crowd was supposed to be the first place, the place we came and we first learned, but after that, there were some action steps that had to come. When he saw the crowd, he went up the mountain. I'm sure he wanted to see who was gonna follow him. And he said, with those who sat down here, well, these are the ones that I'm gonna bring revelation and transformation to. If you don't believe me, if it wasn't because his disciples went up that mountain and began to be taught by him, we wouldn't have a church today. If they would have stayed in the crowd, there would have been no one to begin the church. When Jesus died and he went to heaven, the disciples began the church. If they would have stayed comfortable, if they would have stayed in a place satisfied with just feeling good, just getting my little fix, if they would have stayed happy with that, we, would have, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't know about all the great things that Jesus did. Somebody had to tell people. But in order for them to do that, they had to be taught. In order for them to do that, they needed to learn what it meant to follow Jesus. Even up the mountain, that was difficult. The crowds, the crowds came looking for wonder and they were looking to get their needs met. They were looking to come to the hype. And I don't know if you know where you're at right now. You know, the crowd is the people who stays in the base, in the base camp. They gather in masses. They're excited about hearing a good sermon. Oh, yeah. You know, I just want to hear that. Oh, that's exactly the word that I need, a pastor. Uh, you know, I, it touched me today. Great. It's important. We want that to happen. But we can't depend on a Sunday to Sunday experience. We can't depend on hearing a good message and going back home with the same old. You, you know, we can't come Sunday after Sunday and go back home with nothing changed. What would be the point? What would be the point of us saying we serve a great God, a God of wonders, a God that when I open my mouth, open up my mouth does miracles if we don't see the miracles? What would be the point if nothing changed? You know, and as a church, 
We want to encourage you to keep pushing. We want to encourage you to climb because when we climb is where we find revelation and transformation. The crowd is fun. The crowd is exciting. The crowds had been following him. I mean, at first glance, it seems like the crowds are dedicated. Because the crowds were in Galilee. The Bible says, if you read chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, right before chapter 5, it says that the crowds were in Galilee, that they went to the Decapolis, then they went to Judea, they went to Jerusalem. They were following him from place to place. So at first glance, you're like, this crowd is loyal. But that crowd was the same crowd that didn't go up the mountain. That crowd was the same crowd that a couple of verses later is screaming, crucify him. Because the crowds ain't loyal. And it feels good to be in the crowd. It's fun. It's hype. I like hype. Y'all see me? It's all about that. I'm all about the hype. But we can't stay in hype. Hype doesn't transform. Hype doesn't change. Hype doesn't make your family whole. Hype doesn't stop the things that have been tormenting you for years and generations. Hype doesn't do that. You need a true encounter with the one. And in order for us to have an encounter, we got to climb the mountain. We got to climb the mountain. It may not be pretty. It may not be easy. There will be some pain along the way, but there is something waiting for us at the top of that mountain. You know, it's easy and it's good to hear a word that we love and that we need, right? Just the moment when you need it, there's nothing like it. Like, oh, I needed that today, Lord. And there's so many ways to hear a sermon. All you got to do is pop up a podcast, go on YouTube, go on Instagram. I mean, sermons are everywhere. You get a word, you get a word, you get a word, you get a word. Words are everywhere. So it's easy to hear a sermon that helps me feel good today. It's great to hear a sermon that makes me, you know, fills what I need today. But for us to actually commit to daily following Jesus, for us to commit to entering into communion with Jesus, and by default, let me tell you, enter into communion with others. For us to commit to a body in the good times and in the bad times, it's not for everybody. Like we said a couple Sundays ago, it's for grown-ups. Some of us got to grow up. Because God is saying, hey, I called you to the crowds. I attracted you with the crowd. It was great what just happened here. When I opened up my mouth, it feels good. I don't know how many of you guys felt lighter. But if we stay there, guess what? Nothing happens Monday through Saturday. And we're going to need Sunday to come in. Just like a fix. But Jesus wants to give you more than a fix. He wants to transform your life. He wants you to, to move you from being someone that's just happy and satisfied in the crowd to someone who can climb the mountain to someone who can see change happen as i was looking up mountains and mountain experiences i was looking up information on mount everest everybody here i think knows mount everest is the highest mountain peak in the whole entire world the one that everyone likes to ride the only mount everest that i have been on is at disney world in animal kingdom Okay, is a ride for those of you who haven't been to Animal Kingdom. I highly recommend it, Shiloh and I. That's my ride, that's my ride partner because nobody else rides. You know, I got heart problems and all. Um, 
That's the only Mount Everest that I have been on. And it might be the only one that I'm going to be on in this life. I don't know if I could do it. But as I was looking it up, I was seeing how there's so many people that train for years to prepare to climb Mount Everest. And I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever heard of people in climbing Mount Everest? Yeah. yeah, no? Nobody's ever heard of it? No. All right, what am I looking at? News. You hear it. But I was so surprised to find that ever since the first person climbed, like in 1950-something, to the, to the middle of 2019, only 5,000 people had ever climbed and came back down. That's a low number. For 50-something years, 60 years, only 5,000 people have been able to climb. That means it's not easy. But many try. And I was reading, and I was just like, this is not convincing me. Like, there's an area called the death zone. Okay, just like what it sounds like. When you're in that death zone, you can barely breathe. Like, the oxygen, oxygen levels are so low that if you don't time your breathing properly, you're going to go like this, and you're going to stop right there. And, it's, and, they, and their people are seeing how they climb, and they just see bodies. I was like, and they want to do that? I'm trying to go around the mountain. I mean, but they do it because when they get to the top, there's something that they get that they can't get anywhere else. When they get up there, they're like, wow, the way that the world looks, it really feels like if you're closer to God. It feels different than anything else, and it's worth going through all that trouble to get to the top for three minutes, because if you're there longer than that, you probably might not make it all the way down. For three minutes, it's worth it to go through that. And there are some that do it more than one time. There's something about mountains. And it's fun, just like getting together and getting to the crowd. You know, there's, we, we, we do it when we get together, or we, or we prepare for church week after week. You know, for my family, we are excited when Saturday comes and everybody knows, okay, we're getting our clothes ready, we're ironing our clothes, having them ready set out for Sunday morning. Sunday morning I wake them up, you guys already know, Sunday fun day. Today's the day we go to worship the Lord. I go through the whole argument about I don't want to wear long pants, but you got to be happy you don't got to wear, you know, shiny, shiny shoes and a tie like we used to have to do back in the days. Like be happy with jeans and sneakers that we couldn't wear. But it's exciting for us. And I don't know if it's exciting for you to get ready, but what a shame it would be if we would go through all that to come on a Sunday morning and nothing changed. And nothing was different. Jesus wants to have more than a quick fix. He wants to change our lives. But in order for there to be transformation, we have to climb the mountain. Because at the top is where he teaches at the top is where there's revelation and transformation. He was teaching at the mountain, at the place where everybody felt good. But when he went up is when he taught his disciples. He doesn't want you to go back the same way. But mountain climbers are the ones who have power. When we sang earlier that when I lift my voice and shout, walls come crashing down. And when I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. We've got to climb the mountain to see that stuff. See, because back in the day, the people needed the priest to be the one who told them what God wanted them to do. But Jesus gave us direct access. 
So it's no longer dependent on anyone else except for Jesus. And Jesus is inviting you to climb up the mountain. But climbing up mountain is not easy. You know, he wants you to be a person that is filled with power. When you climb up the mountain, what that means is I'm no longer succumbing to fear and anxiety, but instead I know the weapons that I have, and I am telling every thought to go and be captive and obedient to Jesus. When I climb the mountains, what it means is sickness has to bow in the name of Jesus. When I climb up the mountain, what it means is this anger, this sadness, this depression, it doesn't have a place. It doesn't belong at the top of the mountain. When you climb the mountain, it's like what we said last Sunday. This thing ran in my family until it ran into me. See, but that doesn't happen in the crowd. In the crowd, you get a quick fix, and then you go back home, and guess what? You got the same problem when you go back home. You got to climb the mountain. To be able to see the fullness of the fulfillment of what God is saying in his word. He wants to give you power. He wants you to have authority. He died for you to have authority. He died for you to have power. He died. The Bible says that the same power that rose Christ from the dead is alive in me and you today. He wants that for you. He wants you. He says in the, in the Bible, it says, in my name, they will cast out demons. In my way, in my name, they will pray for the sick and the sick will be healed. In my name, they will walk through fire and not get burned. In my name, they will be bit by snakes and not die from poison. In my name. There is more than what we have seen. There is more than what we have done. But in order for us to make it come alive, we have to climb the mountain. We have to go up the mountain. And climbing the mountain is not for the weak. And it's not for the faint of heart. Because climbing the mountain many times means isolation. Climbing the mountain can set you up as a target. Climbing the mountain means people now are like, oh, who do you think you are? What are you doing? Climbing the mountain looks like saying no to some things that people want you to say yes to. Climbing the mountain means there will be scrapes. <laughs> there will be scars. You're going to slip and you're going to have to get back up. Climbing the mountain is, means that you're not going to be liked by everyone. Climbing is hard. When Jesus climbed the mountain in chapter 5, he goes on to give what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And for three entire chapters, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he's taking it up a notch. He's saying, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I'm telling you now, if someone slaps you, give him the other cheek. I mean, he takes it up a notch. So what he's saying is, hey, it's not going to be easy to climb the mountain. But those who decide to climb are the ones that are going to inherit the kingdom of God. So as a church... God is calling us to more than the crowd. The crowd is fun. The crowd is where we come together. I don't know how many of you guys have been to a, a game and it's hype in the crowd. But God's saying the crowd is not the final destination. The crowd is just the base camp. It's just where you start. But your final destination is on the top of the mountain. You have to climb the mountain to get to what I have for you. And a lot of us have heard God's promises 
A lot of us have prayed for God's promises. A lot of us want to see the evidence of what God has said over our lives. And God is inviting you. If you would just climb the mountain, you would see it. Because in the crowd, I can only do so much. In the crowd, I can do a quick, you know, a quick ignite. But that fire that keeps burning, even when wind comes, that fire that keeps burning even when the rain comes, that fire is only going to happen at the mountaintop. But I want you to know that you were created to be more than just a settler. And I'm not talking about the settlers that settled the 13 colonies. I'm saying a word that I made up. You were made to be more than someone who just settles for the crowd. You were made for more. You were made to be someone who causes fear to the enemy. You are made to be someone that says, my children will serve the Lord. You are made to be someone, yeah, this marriage may look a mess, but in the name of Jesus, it's going to get right. You are made to be someone that says, my family has been in destruction, but it's going to stop right now. And there is healing coming now. You were made for more. So the question is, will you make the decision to climb the mountain? Or will you stay in the crowd? The problem is that there's a crowd mentality in each of us. <laughs> like I said earlier, you go to the games, and, and I, I love it. You know, again, I'm, I like the hype. I could have I easily been a mascot if I knew how to do flips and stuff. That's not my thing. I could just dance. I like the hype, and the games are fun. You know, I, I like live games. I, I can't sit there and watch a whole game for four hours, I'm sorry, or two, whatever, however long. I, I want to be there in the action, and it's fun. People you don't know, you're like high-fiving them, you're hugging people. You, I mean, everyone's a friend at the games. We're hugging, we're like, yeah, you know, got the same shirt on, dancing together, because it's fun. But the thing about the crowd is that when the game is over, the crowd is gone. Everything is fun when we're winning, but when we start losing, the crowd starts leaving. When the seventh inning comes and we're still not winning, yeah, this is the time when I go home before I, don't, before I catch traffic. How many of you guys remember the Miami Heat finals game a couple years ago when the Heat were losing with seconds left? And the entire American Airlines, I mean, like, with my, like 90% of the people left. And if you did not live in Miami back then, you would not know. But if you live here and you watch the news, everybody talked about it for months. Because they were like, yo, those fans in Miami, yo, they ain't loyal. The people left. The Heat ended up winning. And then we ended up winning a championship that year. But I remember that. And I'm thinking, shoot, sure, I would have left too, because you know the traffic to get out of American Airlines in downtown? See, because the crowds are with you when it's fun. The crowd, is, the crowd is fine when everything is going good. The crowd is fine when God is answering my prayers. The crowd is fine when everything is going good. And the moment it gets hard, the crowd dissipates. The question for me was, is the church... Like Miami Heat fans? Or are we willing to climb the mountain?
It's not easy to climb the mountain. But what waits for us on the other side is worth it. But in order for us to leave the crowd behind, we got to leave the crowd mentality behind. There's a consumer mentality in us. And, and I want you to hear me on this. There's a consumer mentality in us that is evident in society and has creeped into the church. Where now we shop for a church the same way we shop for groceries. We shop for a church depending on if they're going to make me feel good. I shop for a church depending on if they have everything that I'm looking for or everything that I need. And I'm not talking about when God has given you a call or a mission and he has called you to a place to serve in that place. I'm not talking about that because sometimes God moves us. I'm talking about the people who when things are easy, you're there. And when things get hard, you dip. I'm talking about the mentality that comes to a place waiting to see how they're going to serve me. Waiting to see how they treated me to decide if I'm going to stick around or not. There's a mentality in us that's easy, ready to buck at any moment. And God is like, that is a crowd mentality. That, that's crowd. That's not loyalty. That's not a follower. That's not a disciple. That is someone who wants to feel good but can't take the bad that comes with it. But to stick to a place and be planted in good times and bad times, in the good times, thank you for those of you who stuck around when it was five of us in here on a Sunday. And look back now. Because it's not easy. But there's always something better on the other side. So God is asking us, will you just be a consumer? People... I mean, never in my life, and I'm not talking about y'all, it happens other places. Never in my life have I heard so many people that their excuse for leaving a church is because they're not being fed. Uh, you don't have hands? You can't feed yourself? I mean, we want to be spoon-fed like babies. But then we want big miracles like grown-ups. I'm sorry, this is not a personal on anybody, I promise you. But in this church, we want to grow, we want to serve, and we want to be light. And to grow, we're going to have to climb mountains. To grow, we're going to have to do some hard things. And trust me, it is not easy for me to say this. God knows that it is a struggle for me, but my, what I want is to see you fulfill the greatest thing that God has for you. What makes me happy is to see your life transformed, to see you healed, to see you go on and do even greater things than me, to see you go on and be hands and feet, to see you be able to preach, to see you to be able to pray for somebody. God is saying to our church, I don't want you to be a crowd anymore. I don't want you to depend on someone else's prayer. I want you to be able to pray for yourself, and I want you to be able to pray for somebody else. As a pastor, we love preaching, we love being here, we love hugging you guys, but there's nothing better when I see you being able to be self-sufficient. When you're a self-feeder. When you know you're hungry and you say, oh, hold up, I'm hungry, let me get my Bible, and you open it up. See, because I can't sustain anybody, but the Word of God can. God is saying, I need you to climb. Coming together on Sunday is great. We need this. The Bible, the, the Bible says, do not stop gathering. Do not stop congregating. But you need a personal living and breathing relationship with Jesus. And as a church, that's what we want for you. We want to teach you. We want to encourage you. We want to tell you, hey, we're with you. 
but we need you to open up your book. <laughs> Download an app, you know, phone a friend, something. Because what God has for you, I can't do for you. No matter how much I desire it, it's not going to happen unless you take some steps. And I desire it for you. I mean, it, it fills me with joy when I see people walking into what God says. It fills me with joy to not have to sing on the worship team and see our worship team go in week after week in the good times and the bad times. And now being able to see fruits of their sacrifice, it makes me excited. And it makes me excited to hear about all the great things that are happening in our life groups. I hear some are a little bit lit. I don't know. That makes me excited because it means we are learning to be more than just a crowd. But we are learning to climb the mountain. There's a consumer in us that we've got to stop. It's more than a good experience. It's more than being fed. It's, we want this to be a place of community a place of contribution, of encouragement, but also a place of activation where we can activate what's in you. When we activate it and we stir it up, when our faith comes together and stirs up something so great that now can take you through your week to conquer. We want to be a place of activation. But for that, you're going to have to leave the consumer mentality. And you're going to have to go to where God is calling you. You know, when we, when, we, when we are in the crowd, it, we're just followers. And I'm sure that everyone here was, had their parents tell them at one point or another ones, you know, don't just do what everybody else does, right? And it's always been said, don't be a follower. And, and my kids tell me the, the same thing that I, I told my parents when I was little, but it's not fair. How come such and such gets to do this? And they get to do that. And I'm like, well, we're not everybody else. And I'm not such and such's parent. Same thing my parents told me, it wasn't fair. See, but I'm building something in my house. I, I can't allow my children to do what everybody else does just because it feels good and they don't want to be left out because that path leads to destruction. But there is a path that leads to life. When we are in the crowd, we just want to, we want to be cool. We don't want to stand out. We want to fit in. But let me tell you, the fitting in lasts for a little bit. But the crowds are not loyal. We need to follow the one who is. So being, climbing up the mountain, it looks a little bit different for some of us. <laughs> for some of us, climbing up the mountain means we're going to love the people who don't deserve our love. For some of us, climbing up the mountain looks like I'm going to forgive that person that, to me, doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Fa climbing up the mountain is I'm going to be quiet when I have something to say. Because you are only an owner of the words that you keep. So the Bible says, read the book of Proverbs, full of a lot of wisdom. Climbing up the mountain, and I want you to hear me here. Climbing up the mountain for some of us means getting off of social media. Do the world a favor. Do yourself a favor. Do the Lord a favor. Because some of us, are pouring our hearts, our hearts out on social media to people who don't matter. Some of us are looking for attention and affirmation on social media from people who can't save you. And you're getting caught up on this crowd mentality. Please do us all a favor. 
and get off of social media. I don't know what climbing the mountain looks like for you. It is different for all of us because we're in different places. But God is calling you into something difficult, something that means something has to be left behind because those who climb the mountain can only take what is necessary. They can't pack up their whole house and carry it up a mountain. You got to travel late. So when we climb up the mountain of God, we got to leave some things behind. We got to let go of some things so that we can carry only what is necessary to where God wants to take us. And Jesus had a plan for us to be part of his body, but for us to grow up. And I'm not talking about maturity levels. What I'm talking about is each of us looking at ourselves day in, day out, and making a decision every day to climb the mountain. Making a decision every day to carry the cross. Making a decision every day to die to yourself to die to your flesh so that you will do not what you want, but what the Lord wants for you. After all, he's your creator. He knows what you need. Climbing the mountain means letting go of everything that holds us back. So the question is, are you a crowd chaser or are you a climber? Matthew 7, 24. When we climb the mountain, this is 7:24. When we climb the mountain, this is the promise. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you continue reading the rest of the verses, it says, because when the winds came and the rain fell, the man whose house was on a rock withstood the winds and the rain. But there was a man, he who follows the crowd, who built his house house on the sand and when the winds and the rain came it swallowed up his house so the question is are you going to be someone who builds your house on the rock or are you going to be someone who builds the ha your house on the sand that every time the wind comes you've got to pick your house back up again we get caught up in cycles but God wants to break cycles. God wants to bring freedom. And not freedom for a day. He wants to bring freedom that lasts. Freedom that's transformational. Freedom that after we've been freed, we now can get other people and walk them over to freedom too. But you can't carry anybody if your house is not on solid rock. We have to climb the mountain. When you decide to climb, you're deciding to do the hard thing that Jesus is asking you to do. And sometimes you're doing it believing him even when you don't see the promise. You're doing it knowing that he has something that he's working out even if your eyes never see the reward. And that's tough. There's a, a special mountain in the Bible that makes me cry when I read it. And I thought I would be over it, but every time I think about it, it makes me cry again. I'm a crier. And it's Mount Pisgah. Mount Pisgah, sorry. And this, this, this mountain may be buried in a lot of information, and you probably have never heard of it. But Moses, who was in Mount Sinai, got called by God to lead the people out of Israel into a promised land. 
And years later, after wandering in the desert for 40 years, God takes Moses to the top of Mount Pisgah. And in this mountain, he tells Moses, hey, look over there. You see all that land? The one in that corner, you know, even back there, you know, the Bible describes it, the, the, the land of Dan, of Nephtali, of all the different tribes. All that is the land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the land that you have been struggling for 40 years to get to. That's the land that when the people wanted to turn their back on God, you prayed and said, God, please have mercy. And you brought the people and you turned them around back towards God. That's the land that I went through the scrapes and getting old and almost losing my mind, but continuing on because you gave me a promise. That is the land. But then God says, that's the land, but you will not enter. Oof. You mean I worked for all these years and I'm not going to be able to go into that land? It seems cruel. But what God wanted to do in that land was something new that all the years of the wear and tear of Moses couldn't sustain. God was showing him mercy by saying, hey, you did it. Everything I needed you to do, it's fulfilled right here. The next step is someone else's, but I want you to know that I am a faithful God. And the other people possessed the land. But had they not entered, had Moses not dragged them literally there, we wouldn't have Jesus today. Because it was through those people that came the king of kings. It was through those people that we now have stories in the Bible. See, climbing the mountain is not easy. It's not for everybody. But the invitation is for everybody. Jesus invites you to climb. The question is, will you climb? Or will you just blend in with the crowd? Would you compromise? Would you settle in with spirits that are contrary to yours? Which one will you do? Matthew 7, 21 through 23. The sad reality that Jesus is telling them in the Sermon of the Mount. He's saying, I want you to know that the crowd is fun, but I want you to know that this is not the final place. Because not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Next. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What Jesus is saying is, hey, I invite you to the crowd. I show you the crowd, I show myself in the crowd, you have fun. But then, when I invite you to climb up the mountain, when I decide to go up, I'm expecting you to follow me. Because it is in that mountain where the fakes and the followers are separated. It's easy to be in the crowd. 
I love the crowd. But we can't stay in the crowd. We can't fall in love with the crowd. We can't fall in love with the hype. We can't fall in love with the things that are here and now. We got to hold it loosely because God wants to take us to a place that may be difficult but is full of power and transformation. We all want shortcuts. That it's easier in the moment but harder in the long run. It's hard to climb the mountains when others stop or to turn around and go the other way. It's really hard when those who started climbing with you are no longer there. It's hard. But when you climb the mountain, Jesus teaches you, you no longer need feeding. You can now feed yourself and feed others. We want to grow, serve, and be light. But for you to grow, you're going to need to grab your rope and grab your special shoes and start climbing. And I don't know how long it'll take you to get to the top. I don't know what all you have to climb over. I can't promise you how long. I, can, I can't promise you every single thing you're going to encounter along the way. The only thing that I can promise you is that when you're climbing the mountain, you look to your left and to your right, you're going to see other people who are climbing with you. Because we're all just trying to climb and get to the top. You're not going to do it by yourself. You don't have to do it by yourself. God has more for us on the other side. So will you climb? There, there are those, some of us, you know, we have families in the crowd. And our families want company. Some of us, we have co-workers in the crowd, in the crowd and they want company. And, and it's easier to listen to their voice more than it is to listen to the voice of Jesus and to the voice of the church. But God is saying, I, I need to create some distinction between you. Are you a crowd pleaser or are you a mountain climber? In the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, Jesus goes up with a few of his disciples. And there the Bible says that God comes down, he opens up the heaven and God starts to speak. And he starts to tell the disciples, this is my son. In him I am well pleased. Listen to him and obey him. This is the moment where God is saying, hey, I am confirming that Jesus is God. I am confirming that he is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. I am confirming that you need to follow and obey what he says for life. I am confirming it for you. I am revealing to you the truth of who Jesus is. In that Mount of Transfiguration is where we see the revelation of Jesus. Jesus left the crowds to teach the few that were willing to climb because he visits the crowd, but he inhabits the climbers. Are you satisfied with just a visit or do you want a habitation? The question is for you. The decision is yours to make. God is ready to reveal himself to you. The question is, what will you do with the revelation? Will you decide to climb the mountain? I don't know where you're at in all of this. I don't know if you are already climbing the mountain. I don't know if you're still in the crowd. 
I don't know if you're far off in the crowd trying to, trying to decide if I should even walk closer to the crowd. Maybe, maybe waiting for something to happen cool enough or good enough for me to walk over to the crowd. I don't know where you are and it doesn't matter to me. What matters is where you're going to go from here. What matters is are you going to take God's invitation to climb or are you going to just stay chasing the crowds? God has an open invitation for those who decide. And there is power on the other side. Power for you, power for me. Because he is able to do more than what we could ask or think. I want to invite you to be on your feet this morning. And I want you to think about where you are in all of this. This has not been an easy message to preach. And it, and it has not been directed to anyone. But it was directed by God. It was a message that God wanted to say to us because as we are walking in the cusp of something new that God is doing, I need you to know that God is doing something and he wants to do more, but he's going to require a couple of climbers to really get it done. So I want to know who's going to stick in the crowd and who's going to climb. The decision is yours to make. Even though I want you to climb that mountain with me, I can't make you climb the mountain. Even though I want to see transformation happen in you, I can't make you be transformed. Even though I desire to see you enjoy the fullness of the presence of God, I cannot do it for you. But there is one. There is one called Jesus who already tore the veil. Who already conquered death. Who already won every single battle. And is drawing you close to him. So I want you to close your eyes. Lift your hands if you feel like it. I want you to talk to God right where you are. Maybe you've never talked to God. Hey, it's just like talking to somebody else. Just say, God, I'm here. God, here I am. I'm right here. You know that I'm here, but I'm here with all of these feelings or with all of these thoughts, with all of these struggles. I'm, I'm trying to scope out the crowd. I'm stuck in the crowd. I'm climbing, but I've fallen a couple times and I've got a couple scrapes and it's been hard. I've been burned by the scrapes so bad that I fell down the mountain and I have been contemplating if it's even worth it to climb again. But God is saying, I invite you to climb again. I invite you to climb because at the top of the mountain, there is something waiting for you that nothing else can give you. So just speak to God right there. He is here. He is listening. He is ready.